Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. All righty, go ahead if you would this evening and jump into Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, I think last time I taught on Wednesday night, we started talking down, uh, talking about Joseph, and we're going to continue that tonight, uh, and then I think in a couple weeks I'm back up here again, uh, and we'll jump into more of his life, but we're kind of going to, we talked about basically an overview of all of his life uh, last time we talked about this and how the Lord worked and all that way, and tonight we're going to go back to the beginning uh, of his life and what's happened in the situation and uh, we're going to talk about some things about that. And I want you to, if you really think about it, has God ever prepared you for something coming down the road and you knew afterwards what was, that, that's what it was all about? Have you ever been there? And you say, why am I going through this now? What's happening here? And I'd say 5, 10, 20 years later, all of a sudden, you say, oh, I know why I went through that way back. God was getting me ready for what was going to go on now in my life. And I think if you really think about your life and examine it, you find most of us find that to be a true thought in all of our lives. And God works in our lives even often before we even realize what's going on in, in preparation. Well, Joseph's one of those uh, uh, situations in Scripture uh, we're going to talk about this evening that long before he was sold into slavery by his brothers... God had been preparing him for what was coming so he'd be, he'd be ready for what the task that was yet to come. Uh, when the Lord begins to work in someone's life, we, uh, uh, we don't know exactly what the will may be, but we know this. We know the will will work out on the end for a reason. Here comes a boy across the field to find his brothers, and we follow him through the pages of, of, of the Bible, and he becomes... Uh, one of the most important people in Scripture as far as we look at his life. We, the Bible mentions him often, uh, one of the, uh, I would say, top ten people in Scripture. He's in that list, and much of the Bible in Genesis, of course, is written about him. He becomes the most important part and, uh, of not only God working in his life, but working in the life of his people long before, long before they need to get out of Egypt. God's got, uh, uh, long before they even get to Egypt, I'm sorry, they got, God's got Joseph getting ready to bring them down there. And long before that happens, he's got Moses coming later on to bring them out. Are you with me? Long before God's preparing us, and we have a hard time seeing that. Uh, when the Lord places these, this emphasis on someone or something, we should uh, pay attention. And I love the story of Joseph. I love uh, uh, talking about him, teaching about him, preaching about him. And God tells us much about his life. But I want to look at this thought this evening. And here's kind of the thought for the night is this. The sorrow he went through was used to strengthen, to be a strengthening to him, to be the man, to be the man God desired him to be. And we're going to talk about his early years and some things happened. So look at Genesis chapter 37. Let's stand and read a few verses here this evening, as we, if you can, as we normally do. Genesis 37, we're going to jump around a little bit in Genesis this evening and look at some things about this as we continue on here in the life of Joseph. Verse number one, 
And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, so we know how old he is, when feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with uh, the sons of Bilhah, with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father uh, their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Lord, please bless uh, our time this evening in the word of God. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this evening. We understand the situation we read here that Joseph is 17 years of age, but our story begins 17 years earlier or 18 years earlier. Uh, in this thought here, uh, uh, beginning with Jacob's favorite wife. Jacob uh, is an old man by this time, and he loved this baby Joseph uh, so much as we read there. And Most of the people who know a little about the Bible know something uh, about Joseph and all that he went through being sold in Egyptian bondage. We'll talk about later on down the road this summer. And he suffered greatly. But it, was, but it was to deliver the world from starvation, uh, deliver the world because uh, uh, God was going to reveal some things to him and God was going to do something. But God was also getting Joseph ready to be a deliverer to help the world from starving. Because he was going to store up during the good years, so they had it during the bad years, Right? But it, was, but it was to deliver the world from this issue. And God dwelt with him in such a way to place within him what he would need to endure in times of awful sorrow and great hours of temptation that he was going to face, which we'll talk about later on, not tonight. And God put something in his heart that he could hold on to in the dark hours of his life, long before they ever came, the dark hours. God built his character that made him, made him to a giant of a man uh, that he became in Egypt to deliver the people of God. And God prepared him not only in his dreams, but also in what he allowed him to go through as a young man to prepare him to get ready. And we know about Moses, the deliverer, being called of God to go down to Egypt and deliver his people. But think about this, and I've talked about this before, is that how did they get to Egypt? They got there because of Joseph. So God was making all these moves behind the scenes in some individual lives to, to work out what he, not only in his life, and we talked about uh, a while back about his brothers and how God worked there, and we'll talk more about them down the road this, this summer, but, but we know that. And, uh, but did you ever stop to think how they got there? And they were preserved there. And how a great nation was formed in the furnace of that Egyptian suffering they went through for all those years. And God was doing something, not only with just Joseph, but also with his people. And this happened because God sent Joseph there. But he was being prepared long before this time in Egypt. When the world was suffering from its terrible famine and nations could starve to death, God revealed to Joseph how the world uh, was, was going to be spared and we need to consider that Joseph went through to help strengthen him, to give him strength, what he needed. And uh, we'll talk about how, what I'm talking about in a second here. But strength, 
that Joseph had came out of sorrow. He was not, he, he was not the son of any man. And Jacob was no ordinary man. And God called Abraham out of the Chaldees, of course, his great-grandfather uh, and, and, and Jacob's grandfather, and uh, promised him to be a great nation, and that nation would bless, pe- bless all the people of the earth, and they'd be blessed. And Abraham uh, was Joseph's, as I mentioned, great-grandfather, and God was going to change his name, of course, to Israel. And all these things are happening for a purpose. And I don't know exactly why. God established this, these people through Abraham and why he went through this. Other than the fact, I do know this, in the midst of all these things we talk about, individual lives are being changed during, this, during these nations being conceived and, and growing and coming to be, as we know today, the nation of Israel. But no doubt, he probably didn't realize the great heritage that he had until he was going through this in his life. His grandfather Isaac, I believe, was still alive when Joseph was just a boy. And I'm saying all these things happened to shape Joseph's character. What does God allow? Why does God allow suffering or sorrowful things to happen to us? What is God doing in the lives by allowing such things to happen? Dealing with these sorrows is one of the most difficult things in all the world. And most of the time when someone suffers, people have the idea that he's suffering because of something terrible he's done or she's done. You been there? Oh, they deserve what they got. I know you've never said that of anybody in your whole life, have you? Now listen, you can lie to me, but you can't lie to God. But perhaps one of the reactions that we should have about, uh, about our trouble is maybe why did I deserve this? And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with asking that question. Because I don't believe there's anything wrong with you examining yourself and see what's going on with yourself. And seeing where the problem may be at. I mean, Galatians does says, Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we're taught that we're going to, what we sow, we're going to reap. So I don't see anything wrong with us taking that. And I don't think it ought to close us down. It ought to make us quitters and have us to get on the sideline. But we ought to take some time and look, hey, what, what's God doing in my life? What's happening here? Why did this happen to me? Is something I did or something God's bringing my way? But, but if God is bringing things into our lives that are difficult to deal with because of our disobedience, then I believe he'll let us know. That's why he's doing it. Because I surely believe that God's going to chastise those whom he loves. And you're going to know where it's coming from. But however, all sorrow is not because of our disobedience to God. Some of us suffer simply because we're a part of the human race. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we're all a part of a dying people. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying to get some funny things together for the little marriage conference seminar. And we had this comedian that I was watch- we were watching the other night. And he says this, and I-, I love it. 
He said, do you realize that 44% of, uh, of marriages end in divorce? And he says, if that be true, do you realize then 56% of marriages end in death? <laughs> so which way you want it? Either way, either way is not really good. I love it. And, uh, and, and, and sorrow is allowed to come in our lives because uh, uh, there are times that our hearts need to be broken. We're able to have compassion and live, uh, uh, live uh, and see others and help them go through the same thing and kind of be a testifying uh, of God's grace. We can testify to God's grace to other people. But some sorrow is without explanation. We don't understand why this sorrow or suffering came, and we may never know why. Whatever the reason, the Lord wants us to use the suffering, as I sure appreciate the song tonight, to bring us to himself. No matter why the suffering may come, God sure wants to use it that we may draw closer to him. It's not always a matter of what, why am I going through this. Sometimes we just go through sorrow. But in that hour, we can put our faith in the Lord because God has a plan for us and a purpose for you and I. Just turn back to uh, uh, chapter 30, 35 real quick with me, and we're going to talk just for a second here about Jacob, uh, uh, Joseph's dad. We're, I told you we're going to go back Go back a few years and kind of get a running start up until where uh, chapter 37 was at. Look at 35, verse number 7, and talk about Joseph. It says, he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brothers. And this goes back uh, to where Jacob feared the fact that Esau, uh, his brother, he was fleeing from Esau, fleeing from his father-in-law, and fleeing from where he was at, and, and he was uh, back to the place where he uh, initially had the dream 20 years earlier. And during this time in Jacob's life, he met the Lord there, and his, his name's changed there. And, uh, but something tragic took place here that I want, you to, I want us to identify here in the life of Joseph. Look at verse number 8. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, what? died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. So at this same place where Jacob's beseeching God about his brother's situation, we know that works out all right, this is also the place where, uh, uh, where Rachel's uh, uh, nurse dies there. Rebekah was the wife of Isaac and was the father of Jacob. Remember, I'll put this all together in a second. Remember, Abraham sent his servants to find a wife for Isaac and uh, found Rebekah uh, uh, and brought her home. And she followed Abraham's servant back to Isaac. And she brought with her her nurse, who was Deborah. So Rebekah is Joseph's. Come on now, family trees aren't that difficult. His grandmother, right? And Deborah was her nurse, which would have been, if you would, part of the family and helping take care of the children, all those kind of things. 
And, uh, and when the Bible says she was of such importance that she stayed with Rebecca all the way from her father's house, and she came uh, to her as she was going to be the bride for Isaac, she was in a way becoming a grandmother image to the sons of Jacob. Right? She's part of the family. You with me? Are you, are you on page with me now? Okay. All right. You're there. Because we're going to talk about Joseph's suffering here. So she would have been very dear person to Joseph. You know how those old ladies smother those little boys. Right? Smooch all over their face and make them feel embarrassed. Make them behave. All right. This is who Deborah was to Joseph. She would have been very dear person, not just Joseph, but the whole family. Have you ever known anyone like that? It was kind of not really a blood relative, but you felt, you felt they were part of the family. You loved them like the rest of the family. They were part of you. This is who she was. Someone so dear to you uh, that when they died, your heart was hurt deeply. And many people develop relationships like this in their life. But Deborah died. Now go to verse number 19, though. And Rachel died and was buried in the way of Ephrah, which is Bethlehem. Now, Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph's mother, now is dead, giving birth to Benjamin. So not only has he lost his adopted grandmother, you with me? Now he's lost his grandmother, and then he's going to lose his mother. Does death bring sorrow to someone's heart? I'm trying to give you a, just a chronological order here. What Joseph's going through as a child was happening with those people whom he loved. Both he and Benjamin were sons of her old age. If you travel today to Bethlehem, you can see the tomb of Rachel on the outskirts of town there. And Joseph uh, would have been greatly affected by these deaths of people he loved and cared for. Now I'll go to verse 27, same chapter, verse 35. And Jacob came to Isaac, his father, unto Mamre, and unto the city of Arb Arba, which is Hebron, which Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were 104 score years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Now his grandfather dies. Still in the same chapter. What things would, would uh, he have heard from his grandfather Isaac? What wisdom, what funny coin tricks would he have pulled on him? Right? You with me? The grandfather. I'm saying before Joseph went through his own suffering, at 17 years of age and plus, he already went through plenty of suffering, plenty of sorrow. He knew what it was like to hurt. What are you going, what, what are you going through when the death of a loved one comes? But all of us have sorrow that God allows to come into our lives. And listen, we understand death is a part 
uh, of life. It's the end of life. We understand that, but it does not change the fact that someone we deeply cared about, someone who influenced us, someone who loved us is now gone. And this is happening as he's a child. He's not, he's not been sold yet. We're talking, talking way before we talk about, start talking about that later on. But uh, so what is it you're going through? I, I was thinking about this. I was going over my uh, uh, notes again this afternoon. I was thinking about this and saying, well, let me see. How does this apply to me? And I'm thinking, well, that, that's, that's what happened to me. I can remember being a 10, 10, 10 11-year-old boy and Christmas time going to the hospital in Youngstown, Ohio and playing with my new little Sizzler Hot Wheel car I just got. That's all I got was a track and a Sizzler's car that year. We didn't have any money. I'm going to the hospital to see my dad who just had brain surgery and he has scars on the side of his skull like a softball. You've seen them? Trying to share this little toy because he was, he was a mechanic and he was in the cars and trying to share this little thing with my dad, not understanding what was going on, what was happening. Then the next three, four years of radiation and chemo and, uh, and the cancer growing back. I came home, my brother and I came from school one day and I found our dad in the bathtub. He'd been there all day, uh, basically having convulsions and no one knew it because everyone was gone. Mom had to go to work and we were at school and got home and there he was and I found him. I had to call my mom at work and say, hey, uh, I think something's wrong with dad. Not knowing. I mean, he's a teenager. I don't know what's going on. And then for the next nine, ten months to a year, every Wednesday and every Sunday, going to our nursing home to watch my 43-year-old dad pass, slowly pass away week after week, being paralyzed, watching his one side just totally go dead. I was able to comprehend what was happening. And you say, well, that's, that's terrible. Well, when I, I didn't think of it that way at that time, but you know, I think God was preparing me to help give me a pastor's heart as a teenager. Now, then I had no idea. Then it was just a big hassle. Dad just being a big hassle in my life right now because he's interrupting everything I want to do. Right? Come on, let's be honest. You know, every, I never forget, every Wednesday after school was over, my mom would be in the parking lot of the school. She picked me and my brother up, and we'd go drive an hour over to Ohio. We were living in Pennsylvania then. We'd drive over to Ohio to see my dad uh, in the nursing home. She had to work, pay the bills. Come back late at night, and, and then school Thursday and Friday, and work around the house on Saturday. Sunday, we'd go to church in the morning. After church Sunday morning, we'd go back over to Ohio and see dad again, twice a week, or an hour over there, an hour back. Because he was close to his family and they were helping out. And I remember that. It was almost a year of that. And uh, I didn't think about it then. And I remember seeing his body in the casket in my grandmother's church, Pat Bap's church, and people coming by and loving and crying and hugging. And I couldn't figure all that out. Hard to figure that out when you're a teenager, right? But I truly believe God was using that, not as a hardship or something like that in my life, but I believe he was using that in my life to get me ready for what he had down the road for me. That I could understand what people go through when some of the strangest things happen to us in life. Because that definitely wasn't a normal situation, would it be? But what strength we gain our lives out of sorrow 
And what, why God allows these things, why does he allow our hearts to be broken is that we can not only draw closer to him, but we can also, uh, we can also uh, help other people go through the same thing. I can relate with someone losing their dad at a young age. I can relate with seeing him slowly over four or five years, slowly dwindle away. He used to be a strong, robust uh, mechanic, uh, uh, could do anything with his hands, and see him dwindle away to laying in the bed and can't even pick his hand up to feed himself. I can relate and have related. So let's go on here. Not, I'm not all about me. I'm just trying to tell you, God brings things our way. That's the me in my life. I don't know what, how it affects my brothers or affects my mom or anybody else. I know how it affected me. Let's go on here. So here, here's the points here. There is no greatness in life apart from trouble, that trouble that is, dwelt, that is dealt with in the spirit of Jesus Christ. I don't care what trouble you're going through. It will not be turned out to be something and I don't know if it's the right word, great in our lives unless we deal with it through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. We've got to figure out how, why this is coming. So let me give you some points here quickly, and uh, we'll get out of here. Number one, the strength that came out of sorrow caused Joseph to place a proper emphasis on life. The strength that came out of sorrow caused Joseph to place a proper emphasis on life. Perhaps God will use uh, God will use that to speak to you. Why is this happening? Because uh, God has something for you. He wants you to understand how wonderful life is. Life is wonderful. But life is awful short. And time is precious. And sometimes God brings these things in our lives so he gets, hey, wake up. Life's important here. You're missing it. You're, you're missing what's really important. You're missing what's going on here. You're missing something in your life. Uh, pay attention to me. And uh, because, you know, the death of a loved one oftentimes in our lives wakes us up. Joseph had occasion as a young man to place the proper emphasis on life and to consider the preciousness and the value of life long before he got thrown in the pit. And I'm sure at a funeral service we think, boy, how precious it is to be alive. Have you ever gone through a viewing or a funeral service and maybe you're looking at that person, thinking about that person, and you said to yourself, man, they still so much life ahead of them. Why did this happen? It makes you realize, hey, life is short. I better enjoy what I got. I better do something with what I have and how precious it may be. Think of the opportunities that's ours just, just to be alive. Now, I know, we're all, I know we're all worried because our world seems to be crumbling, crumbling in. But, folks, uh, life is great. And uh, it's wonderful. And th- enjoy the time you have. The most precious thing you have, of course, humanly speaking, is time. Don't, don't let it go to waste because you've got a broken heart on something. Think of the opportunities that are ours just because we are alive. We, we, we complain about many things when we should be praising God for the fact that we're alive. Right? Should be glad we're still alive. We can breathe the breath of air and we can praise God. And Boy, life is too wonderful to waste. And I know I've been there. I've sat in the nursing home rooms. I've sat 
in the hospital rooms. I've gone to a shut-in's house, and I've heard him say, I don't know why God just don't take me. Been there? Heard that? Done that? Why? Because life is too wonderful for you to think that way. Enjoy every breath that we have. Every moment that we have. However, when one is near to us dies, it causes us to stop and think uh, a little bit about our proper place that we have, have placed emphasis on life. Many years ago, there was a man who became very popular in the political world. Oh, I feel bad for him. But he became very, very popular in the political world. He made a statement in an interview about his drug use. He got, found himself uh, uh, addicted to drugs. He real, real, had been rehabilitated before, and he said only one-third of the folks who try rehabilitation completely get rehabilitated. And he went on to say, as a servant of the U.S., as an elected official, I got to the place in life where I did not want to live because of what the drugs were doing to me. He actually wanted to die because he thought it would be easier, the easier way out. He knew he had problems severe enough to seek help, and he, but yet he wanted to die. And folks, we got to be excited about living. I know some of us have aches and pains, and we're married. <laughs> Amen? I mean, just, can you just imagine try, thinking you live with somebody for 40, 50 years? Can you imagine that? If you told me that when I was 20, I may have bailed. <laughs> right? But, but we ought to enjoy every breath we have. We must place a proper emphasis on life. Yeah. And just like God worked through Joseph's life, he'll work in our life, helping us to have a proper emphasis in our life, as we mentioned already. Number two is this. Number two the strength that came out of sorrow caused Joseph to place the proper emphasis on his loved ones. On his loved ones. The strength that came to Joseph out of sorrow caused him to, caused him to uh, uh, put the proper emphasis on his loved ones. When someone dies we love, we have many emotions. And they're normal, by the way. You're not crazy. When Deborah died, Joseph had the opportunity to think about how he loved her and what she meant. When Isaac died, he thought about his grandfather and how much he loved him. When his own mother died, giving birth to Benjamin, he had an opportunity to think about uh, how precious the time that he had with her was. And I know that's what we should, be, we should be thinking about. Boy, that person, I love them so much. Uh, uh, and and have, a, have a list, this, 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 and this. I don't know how many, I don't know how many, I've, I should count. I don't know if I know for sure how many I can figure that out. But how many folks I've had, to, I've done their funeral for over my years. But only one of them really still to this day bothers me. And I can't figure out why God would let that guy die. He's just a few years older than I am. This was almost 20 years ago now, probably. He was a divorced man in our church, was saved, 
worked in a bus ministry, preached in nursing homes, two or three nursing homes a week he went to, telling, telling senior citizens about, about Jesus, preaching in the services, just loved the Lord. I come back in the church, and that Sunday afternoon, he'd be sitting in the pew because he didn't have a car, and uh, we, we got him back and forth to town where he lived at, and uh, uh, he'd be, every Sunday afternoon, the time I get back, and he'd get back from a nursing home, one of the men would take him to where he would go, and he was sitting in an auditorium reading the Bible, Always reading the Bible. In fact, it made me mad. All he did was read the Bible when he had free, when he had free time. He would, ask, he would want to talk about the Bible. Hey, I just read this, preacher. What do you think about that? I just read this. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? And, and uh, we had a long discussion one time about uh, uh, women wearing men's clothes and men wearing women's clothes. And I said, thank God there were any clothes. And he, he, didn't, he, he didn't like ever. Well, anyhow, we talked about it. But, but he's one of those guys, and... and uh, I didn't know this at first when I went there, but there was some mental illness in his family and him and with a couple of his brothers. And he, had, he was a twin and, uh, and his brothers. And it was one daughter. I didn't know this at first. And after a amount of time being there, he became paranoid. We moved him out by the church to stay with one of our young men. And he stayed with him. And it wasn't there very long through the summer, I guess. And, and uh, he took his own life. I just can't figure that out. Not even 20, almost 20 years later. I can't figure that out. Here's a guy serving God, loves the Lord, loves the word of God. He lets him get to a place where his paranoia drove him to a place. And I found out later on that there was issues in the family mentally, which I didn't know anything about at the time. And, uh, and I have a hard time with that. But I've used that in my life to realize, hey, you don't know how many days you got left. You ought to not be so down and out all the time. Enjoy the time you do have. But today we live in a day where instead of loving on our family, we live in a day where some people think very little of their mother or their father. There are some who have reached a place in our country where some parents despise their children. We developed new terms for this generation, I guess we would. Some even call them throwaway children. And parents can do without them. How tragic. A number of years ago now, this survey was done by Pennsylvania State University, revealed as many as 1,000 children per week in America are abandoned by their parents. That's just America. But God brings trouble and uh, sorrow and heartache into our lives to teach us how to live more deeply. We ought to learn to emphasize to love our family. Well, I can't stand them. Well, guess what? They can't stand you either. <laughs> you might as well get over it. I mean, it's just a part of life, brother. That's just the way it is. Amen? And uh, uh, anyhow, I have, I've got to stop there. I got, anyhow, I'll stop right there. We should learn from this how to treat those uh, who we love. Our mother, our father, our sister, our brother, our spouse, our, our, our kids, well, preacher, I got two kids. They're great as gold. But this one kid, he drives me crazy. Well, let me give you one answer. Look yourself in the mirror and say it's your fault. Because <laughs> they got your DNA. And uh, learn to love them somehow in some way. And we have three children, and they're all three different. All three of them are different from each other. We've got three daughter, or two daughters-in-law and a son-in-law, and they're all different from each other. 
and uh, nothing drive me crazy. But they're all different. Part, but I love them. It's part of it. Let's go on. Number three is this. And lastly is this. The strength that came out of sorrow caused Joseph to place proper, proper emphasis on the Lord. To place proper emphasis on the Lord. One was his life. Number two was his loved ones. Number three was on the Lord. Something else happened in the life of Joseph as this young boy. He learned to place a proper emphasis on the Lord, especially in times of sorrow. Especially in times of sorrow. So tonight, the question is for all of us, what does the Lord mean to us? What does he mean to us? Most never give any thought of dying and standing before God. Have you ever thought about that? That one day, you're going to stand in front of God. And there won't be anybody there to help you. No fake news. It's going to be you, the Lord, the hills, the walls, the trees, talking back. And you're going to be there one day. How's your relationship with the Lord right now? So important. And these times of sorrow, and these times of, uh, of heartbreak in our lives uh, helps us to realize how, how important is the Lord to me. Now, some, sadly enough, some people use that to drive them away from the Lord. So they get close to the Lord. Well, I'm going through all this mess, and I'm just going to, what, bell on church, bell on God, bell on the Bible, bell on your prayer. You're going to bell on God because things are tough. That should be the time you should reinforce those things. Because you need all the strength you can need right now not to make bad decisions. Boy, one of the worst times to make major decisions in your life is when you're going through a heartache because you're not thinking straight. And we make some unwise choices. Oh, I'm just tired. Uh, uh, that's how people who you used to love and serve with in church are no longer even in church tonight. Because something drove a stake between them and the Lord. And I promise you the Lord didn't go anywhere. He's still right where he was always going to be at. And, uh, but these times are there to help us emphasize, uh, what does the Lord mean to me? How important is it to me? And uh, uh, yesterday in staff meeting, it was my turn for devotions, and I, I taught on, uh, uh, I've been teaching on different words each time. It's my turn just picking different words out of Scripture. And yesterday was the word Christian. Christian. Or in Acts 11, they were called Christians. And those who look like Jesus, right? It's not a term that we were given by God necessarily. not a term that, that Jesus said, I want you to go out and be Christians, I want you to go be followers of me, right? But I want you to be Christ-like. And, and, I, and when I got down to the end, and I, I even preached to the staff, I'm sorry. And I said, I said, you will become who you hang around. And if we want to be the Christian that God wants us to be, we need to hang around the Lord Amen. a little more than what we're already doing. To be what God would have us to be. That's how you get the, that's how you get the, the insights, how you get the wisdom, that's how you get direction, is that we hang around the right person. And the right person is Jesus Christ. 
And, uh, uh, and, but most of us never give any thought of us dying one day and standing before him. No thought that Jesus died for us. He gave it all for us. We give no thought to what he's done for them uh, through, a, through the local church. We, we don't even think about those things. How good he's been to us. Doesn't Matthew 11 tell us that come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is... That's an oxymoron. When's the last time you picked up a piece of weight and said, boy, this burden's awful light. Right? Amen. What he's saying is that when you walk with me, that burden is light. Amen. Amen. And the yoke I give you as an ox is easy to carry. And, and, and what we find in a time of sorrows in our life should be times where we emphasize the fact, what is my relationship with the Lord? How close to him am I really? I certainly do not want anyone to die in your family for maybe God to do a work in your heart. But I'll tell you what, I can learn from the examples of somebody else what ought to be precious to me in my life and what shouldn't be precious to me in my life. And Joseph said, you know what? My life is precious. Every breath I have is precious. Man, the, my loved ones. I, I, I can't imagine, we'll talk about later whenever we get there sometime this year maybe, whenever he saw his brothers coming down the aisleway of his palace coming for him, and he sees them, and he knows them. They don't know who he is. Can you imagine how he must have been leaping out of his skin to go see them and hug them, as we see in there? Why, he loved his, he thought he lost his family. Thought they were gone. How about my, uh, do you have another one? Is Benjamin still alive? Is dad still alive? Why, he loved them, cared for them, and uh, how important it was to him. If we can learn by the examples of other people, family members and loved ones, what the Lord's given to us, uh, we find that he'll have the proper place in our lives. And all this this evening was this, that when you get strength from sorrow, when you take sorrow and you emphasize how wonderful life is, and how great it is to have loved ones, have family members that I love, and then the fact that I have a Lord I can go out and talk to, communicate to, have fellowship with, and we can be one. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God this evening. Father, we thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.